Welcome to episode 61 of the Animal Addicts podcast. On today's episode, Casey talks about an apparent new evolution in elephants, while I bring up a development with a previously mentioned story. We learn about some African favorites before we get into our adorable animal of the week. I do apologize for the messed up sound about halfway through the episode. It's 2 o'clock in the morning, so I have no more time to try and figure out how to fix it. So it's this or no episode for God knows how long. to episode 61 of the Animal Addicts podcast, our first week in Africa, and our first week back after a month hiatus. Woo! As always, we're your hosts, Sally. And Casey. And today we're going to talk about a whole new batch of awesome animals. But before that, um, Casey, what have you been up to since last I saw you? Because it has been a minute. I got to go see Fluffy. Uh, also known as... Gabriela Glacius. Yes. Um, isn't one of his specials just called Fluffy or like the Fluffy Tour or something? I don't know. Whatever. I'm pretty sure it's called I'm Not Fat. I'm Fluffy. Maybe that's what or the it Fluffy is. Tour, okay. maybe. I've definitely He's seen a lot it before, of specials. But it's been a long time. But yeah. But funny thing is, my brother bought these tickets. It was me, my brother, and my dad mm-hmm. as a Christmas present over a year and a half ago. Wow. And so, oh, did it keep getting yeah, delayed? Get delay, yeah. delay, delay, delay. <laughs> and then it was funny because like. The venue said only like e-tickets and he had like these paper tickets. It was a bit confusing. She was like thinking they were fraudulent, but where he got it from was, I think it was Ticketmaster. So you can't shit. And according to my story, you shouldn't be able to get fraudulent tickets through that. Mm -hmm. But, and uh, my brother and me, because I'm a pessimist, is like, watch, they're going to say these aren't real. We're going to be turned around and go home. (laughs) Uh, and then I would be 25 bucks shorts because I had to pay first parking because no one else had cash. Oh, that sucks. But they were real. It was legit. Good. And we got to go in. Where was it? Um, at old Qualcomm. Oh, okay. It's called Valley View now, I think it's called. Okay. Yeah, down in San Diego. Is it the big arena? Yeah. Okay, it's had it a used... bunch of names then. Yeah, it. Like once it was, I think once it was Pachanga, now it's Valley View. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is Valley View. I think it was Valley yeah. View last time I went. That's a big, did he sell that out? Um, no, there were still, there were still That's a few a guests. a big venue. Oh, yeah, it's a big venue. Thankfully, no strangers sitting next to me. <laughs> Thank God. It's because, not even because of health reasons, like, I don't like being next to strangers. I just want to be near people. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel you. <laughs> I get it. I get yeah. it. You always want to sit in the middle of your group and not have to be... Oh, yeah. That's what sucks. It's like, if I ever go with my little sister anywhere, and it's my other sister or someone else, I'm stuck on the ends. She has to be in the damn middle. (laughs) Because she also doesn't like people? I don't know what her reason is. (laughs) I think it's because she doesn't like people, and we never sit on the ends of the aisles. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm stuck. Oh, you poor thing. (laughs) You have to be around people. It's terrible. I mean, it's not the best. Anyway. All right. Well, was it good? It was good. Good. Very funny. Good, good. I haven't seen him in a long time. I mm-hmm. watched the special like forever ago, so. Yeah. Excuse me. Um. Okay. Well, that's exciting. Uh, you know what's not exciting? You. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> 
rude. Also accurate. Um, I'm still fucking sick with this stomach thing. Actually, I don't think I talked about it last time because it was like new and it was like the first time I was like being careful about what I was eating mm-hmm. and everything and only having water and being really limited. And then, um, no, it hasn't gone away. So I'm really over it. It's been two months of this shit. Um, I want to be able to eat normally again. I want to be able to have caffeine again. I really miss that. You just you don't realize how much you need caffeine in your life. We are very. What if de- you inject it intravenously? You, mm, uh, maybe, because it won't hit your stomach. Yeah. Hmm. Not to become a caffeine junkie. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta find my veins are hard to find, man. Although at least when I went to like urgent care and when I went to the other time they took what did they take my blood for? I don't remember. Whatever. Taking my blood twice since I started, but they were both able to find it. So oh, I was yeah. like. Good on you. Only once when I've had to get blood drawn, they could not find my veins. Oh, it usually takes like three times. Really? It's such a nightmare for me usually. Drink oh, more water. <laughs> I think also, um, yeah, the like three times ago when I had to get blood drawn, I was like, oh, I have not had a lot of water today. Whoops. And then the blood was really dark. I was like, ugh. <laughs> I need to have more water. I usually do. But like uh. that day I was like, oh yeah, I should have had, because it was one of those where you had to fast before. So I was drinking water, but I wasn't drinking a lot of water. I'm like, oh, oopsies. Yep. My bad. Anywho, but yeah, usually I'm a mess. Also, I feel like this has reduced my pain tolerance. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe it's because it's caffeine. <laughs> I'm just obviously very dependent I still on have caffeine. leftover opioids from when my appendicitis. I don't want to do that. I feel like that would also not sit well, probably. Um, It'll knock you out real quick. <laughs> yeah, it was hydrocodone. Oh, my God. I think it was. <laughs> Excuse or, me. Was it oxycodone? Oxy, I can't believe they're giving out Oxy anymore. No. It's not even, it's not like their brand. It's technically a brand. I would tell them one, no on that. I'm like, ah. Uh-uh. I didn't take a single one. Yeah, I'd be like, I don't want to have my, issues. I had to take it after my um, laparoscopy for my gallbladder, but mm-hmm. not with my appendix. That's good for the appendix part. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so hopefully with any luck, I'm going to get scoped. In the next month or so, yeah, just so that with I can have a solution. A quick sidetrack with the stomach thing is like, do you ever have a friend where it's like the slightest thing, it sets them off on this like downstream where they just think of the worst possible scenario? Oh, you mean you think you're going to die immediately? Yeah. Like it's all, it's cancer. It's WebMD. It's <laughs> yeah, my cancer. sister was talking. So it's like, what if I'm still in cancer? Oh, no. <laughs> so, so the best thing was when this started, right? So first it was like bad and I was like, okay, I'm going to be like, careful what I eat and what I drink, right? And, like, just stick to, like, kind of easy things. But then what happened, with the point where I actually called a doctor the first time, I was like, I am, I was hungry. I could have eaten five minutes ago and eaten a full meal that I know 100% I was full, and I felt hungry. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's weird. I was like, I wonder if I have a parasite. <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, it's, like, unexplained weight loss. I'm like, well, that's not happening. Yeah. And now the weight loss I'm having is very much explained because I'm barely fucking eating. Um, I remember when I was a little kid, I used to watch uh, Animal Plants the Most Extreme, and it was the Parasites one, and it was, it was the tapeworm. I became awful. paranoid. <laughs> I know. Honestly, still not sure I don't have a parasite. <laughs> Could still be a parasite. Who would know? They haven't really done anything to look for stuff. So um, I really want to get scoped. So can, I don't actually want to get scoped because that's probably going to be god-awful. But, like, I want this to be solved because I cannot keep going on like this. Um, I'm going to – It's I'm really grumpy already. Um, and, yeah, I can't have – basically, folks, if it tastes good, I can't have it. Yeah. There's, like, seven things I can have. Plain chicken. Plain everything. No seasoning, It's no like sugars. the gym bros that have eating disorders. Kind of. But then – and I have friends who have a lot of, like, food allergies. 
So, of course, I'm like, what can you do? But then yeah. when I go to, like, obviously now I'm, like, going to Sprouts a lot more because it's more health food. But, like, even if you go, like, gluten-free snacks and stuff, like, they also have salt. Every Everything also mm. almost in the world has salt. So, it's just, it's Of course, it, salt makes everything bad. I know, and I miss it. <laughs> Same with sugar. I know. I miss the sugar so bad. And I haven't had mm. yogurt in a while because I had it. Oh, my God, dude. Mm. So, I was eating yogurt, and then I didn't realize. I was like, oh... Guess what's in yogurt? Dairy. <laughs> I'm not supposed to have dairy. Yeah. So I was like, because I'm trying to get the good cultures, obviously, in there from the yogurt. But I was like, okay, so I'm going to have to go to a non-dairy. Non-dairy yogurt, folks, if you've not tried it, is fucking vile. It is disgusting. I couldn't like even vegan, eat it. Like the legit vegan um, I don't know if it's di- milk ve- or is it like the No, lactate? it's not vegan. It's literally, there's no dairy, no dairy replacer, I don't think, in it. It's so nasty. It's, I literally only got like a quarter of it and I was like, I can't, I can't do it. And I was eating like, my face was this the entire time. I was like, Whoa, the entire time I was eating it. Yeah. And then I tried a replacer. So it was coconut milk and that one tasted okay. I couldn't not do coconut milk because I hate coconut. Yeah, I'm not a fan of coconut either, but it was, it was doable. It was like mm-hmm. strawberry flavor, like coconut milk. I think it was strawberry banana or something. But that's part of what came up when I... When I bowed to the porcelain guards, guards, gods at work. (laughs) I did learn. um, I haven't tried that again. Out of all the replacement milk, almond milk's like the worst because of the sodium content and it has less protein. It's impossible because everything has sugar or sodium. And I also learned there's this thing called sterilized milk. I've never seen it or probably have. I just never realized it. It's like in a box carton and it's not refrigerated. When you go into the grocery store, That's it's on the weird. shelf. I feel like that has to have so many preservatives and shit in it. No, it's because it's sterilized, so there's no bacteria in it. Oh. So weird. you can leave it on the shelf, but then once you open it, it has to go in the fridge and it lasts for months. Whereas pasteurized milk lasts a couple weeks. Right. Also, That's the same thing with lactate. Everything in the States is processed and has all kinds of shit in it. So it's really fun to try to find. Or wherever you go, there's processed stuff. There is, but it's better in Europe. They're not as bad as we are. No, they are. Trust me, they are just as bad. hundred percent. No, they're not. Yes, they are. <laughs> I'm terrible. from a Dutch family. I know the shit in European food. <laughs> we just changed the names. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's where a just lot of it the is. Just Dutch aren't great doesn't mean all of Europe is not great. It's a union. The European Union. They the have Euro-Yanian? the same. The European Union. The said the onion. That is Europe. <laughs> He just called you an onion, Europeans. Yes, I'm there. Anyway, um, it's a nightmare, and I'm over it. And, yeah, I can't have anything delicious, and I miss chocolate so much. Um, and so does only I get caffeine. And I just, I just obviously miss caffeine. I don't like coffee. I'm a weird person. I don't like coffee. I think we've been on this. I don't like coffee, beer, or wine. I'm, like, any yeah, social drink, bizarre. any social drink, I don't like it. So when everyone's like, well, let's go wine taste, I'm like, that sounds awful. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so still been sick. But I did go to an escape room. Which was fun, because um, somebody who we used to work with came in from Texas, so we all went to escape room, and it was, like, Egyptian, like, tomb-themed, mm-hmm. so it was fun. And there were six of us, and it was it was good, because, like, since there were six of us, you weren't working on all the puzzles, so I feel like I could go back to it again. I just had to work on the puzzles I didn't work on, and then just, like, stand there and not say anything mm-hmm. for the puzzles I did work on. But super fun, and, like, I love escape room so much, and I've only been one other time, but that's with three people that um, yeah. I'd like to never see again. So um, I have yet to do my escape room. It's going to be just me and my sisters, most likely. It's so fun, dude. It's so fun. We but should do an my... Animal Addicts escape room. We need an animally themed one, like a safari theme. My sister is fervently against a horror themed one. Oh, so the place we went, they have a... I really want to do it for Halloween, but you have to have too big a group because mm-hmm. no one else was free. There's only like a couple of us who are free. Um, you have to have, I think, a minimum of four. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's a zombie one. 
and apparently people might chase after you too and they start you off they split your group in half to begin with so you might not even see your entire group again i was like oh, i want to do it so bad anyway i just want to do all these escape rooms because i love them and they're really fun um and i want to do it with people i like so yeah we should do an escape room and see how we work together under pressure probably won't be good Anyway, um, but yeah, but more actual animal related. So in this time, Sylvan Sick, Escape Room, Awesomeness, went to the wild animal park with a friend that I was supposed to go with like a month ago, but because of being sick and the whole like, I can't go more than three hours away from food that's refrigerated that I can heat up. Um, we finally went to the animal park and I looked to see what is in place of the Elan. I love it. That's what I care about. Also, finally got to use my preferred parking. So I was happy about that. <laughs> And then, um, and it was good to use the priority for the tram as well. It was pretty, because it's, it's kids, great. It's it's kids great. free October still. <laughs> so, ugh, it was, it was pretty crowded. Anyway, um, oh, and the Tigers were open again. Yes, they they're, were. They're COVID free, I guess, um, and open again. So we did mostly, oh, the platypus also did not want to be seen. Oh, yeah. Same with when I went with my and mom. And I don't bring this friend all the time. So I was like, come on, man. I did just see the episode of the zoo where I find out how they do their measurements for health checks. Oh, I don't think I've seen because you one. can't like they can't pick up the male because he has a venom spur on his leg. So what they do is they measure like the width of the tail and proportion of the rest of his body is hmm. math. Math is how they do it. Yeah. Anyway, but um, so what is in place of the giant eland? They're beautiful, but I miss my eland. Are the Adra gazelle? Yep. And the addicts. Also called the Dama gazelle. The Dama gazelle? Yes. Why are they called the Dama Are you looking at them right now? Yes. They're beautiful. And the addicts is beautiful too, but they're <laughs> gorgeous. And I'm like, yes, you're beautiful. Yes, they're both from North Africa. You're beautiful, but I do miss my eland and I would like to know where they are. Thank you. Especially because when they have baby eland, oh my God, they're the cutest. Yeah. I love them. And then the Bontebok is gone too, if that's how you say it. Which I almost never saw them, but then when they did make themselves known, they were oh, so cute. Yeah. And they would run around. I'm like, I love you. I forget what's there now, but it's not that. So they've moved like almost everything. I feel, Not everything, not but everything. like so many things have been moved. And 100% there are own antelope on both sides of the tram. I'm like, what? oh no, he did say. This one did say. They have the adolescent males, I think on the, uh, the left side. Yeah. So that makes sense. And I saw the bongo again. Have you seen them yet? No. <laughs> Every time I go lately, there's only like a couple that'll be up there. I always see the black rhinos though. Yeah, they're always out. Just I can't take pictures because we have to. We can't stop. Keep going moving up the there. Hill. Well, they'll stop at the top, and if they're at the little watering hole, yeah, but then usually the sun's there. behind it. Oh, they've been there twice when I went. You just need to have my luck, apparently. Mm. Anyway, but yeah. I blame my mom. She's a jinx. That's not very nice. Well, we have to be able to go with us again eventually, but... And yes, I... Mom, I know you will hear this and talk to me about that again. <laughs> Sorry, Casey's mom. <laughs> um, I have to be able to eat normally again, and then we have to go to the zoo in the park. Mm -hmm. So anyway. But yeah, so, you know, a lot of stuff has happened since, um, since... Yeah, since we did this last time, I'm so sorry. I'm so lost, you guys. Thank God that we actually did take October off because I would not have been able to do this with everything. It's just, it's crazy. Anyway, I, I'm a grumpy person who has no caffeine, so I basically have energy for work and like two hours after then I'm done with the day. Anywho, so, but we should move on into the things that we wanted to talk about on yes. this episode. Oh my gosh, she's so excited about something that I think is probably going to be depressing. But let's find out. <laughs> Just taking a, a wild shot in the dark because it's Casey. What did you want to talk about today, Casey? Science. 
Okay, well, so basically, a study that was done on tusklessness in African elephants. I did see that. Yes. I didn't actually read it, but I saw. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Sad, yeah. but cool. Yes. So several years ago, I might have mentioned this last year. I can't remember though. But several years ago, scientists started observing that there have been an increase in frequency of tusklessness in female African elephants. And it was hypothesized this was the result of poaching creating selective pressure favoring tuskless elephants as they would not be targeted by poachers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, a genetic mechanism behind the trait is was unknown. And recently, a team of scientists did research on the evolution of tusklessness in African elephants. And the paper is titled Ivory Poaching and the Rapid Evolution of Tusklessness in African Elephants. Okay. This was published October 22nd of this year in the Journal of Science. And there's no paywall, but good luck reading it if you don't, have not been trained on how to read scientific papers. <laughs> it or is you have a to skill. Google it. <laughs> you can like, Google it. What does it. this mean? Yeah, there's a lot that you would have to if you don't know what you're doing. The study was conducted in Gorongosa National Park, which is located in Mozambique. So a little bit of background. Between 1977 and 1992 was the Mozambican Civil War. This war resulted in decrease of over 90% in the population of large herbivores. Wow. Both sides in the war contributed to the hunting of elephants for their ivory. And were they dying because they were getting caught in the crossfire, or they were, like, hunting them for food? I stuff? did not go into further research, but I suspect to contribute to ivory trade in order for logistics. Mm, to get money to pay yep. for weapons and shit. Yep, that makes mm -hmm. sense. Okay. And also along with some bush meat, I would assume. Yeah. Yep. And this massive decline in population of elephants in Gorongosa coincided with a threefold increase in the amount of tuskless females. And before the war, only about 18.5% of the females in the area were tuskless. Now it's about 50.9%. Okay. And research in this study ran a simulation of the population decline from 1970 to the year 2000, but this using equivalent survival probabilities for tusk and tuskless females. And based on those simulations, they found that uh, it was extremely unlikely that there was not selective pressure from the poaching. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And across this 28-year period, it was shown that tuskless females had a survival rate five times that of wow. tusk females. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's also so depressing. It is depressing. I mean, it's yeah. kind of cool that it's happening, but, like, bad why it's happening. Yeah. And now that they had the evidence for the selection was occurring, they wanted to research what the mechanism was. So they took blood samples from 18 females from the area. Seven of which were tusks, 11 of them were tuskless, and performed whole genome sequences. They made sequence alignments between these samples and the annotated African savanna elephant genome, and they found that the tuskless elephants had significantly more rare variants than the tusked elephants. So they looked at the proportion of tusklessness of females born after the war, and the evidence indicates there is a genetic basis for the tusklessness, and it can be inherited. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it should also be noted that there were no tuskless males found in the park. They So they hypothesized that it was a sex-linked trait. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Here's where it gets more interesting. Okay. Uh, they also found that tuskless mothers had significantly more female offspring. Approximately 65.7% of their offspring were females. That's weird. Yes. And this indicates that the trait is an X-chromosome-linked dominant 
male lethal trait. Oh, shit. Yes. That's bad. Yeah. So basically, um, when you have this trait and it's a male because they only have one X chromosome, they die. Or as females... Like it, die in in vitro or like yeah. stillborn? In vitro. Okay. Or as the females, Still if they bad. have only one copy of it, they're fine. But the problem is then if this spreads more, then you're not going to have enough males to keep reproducing. Yes, that's the idea. Oh, man. It was kind of cool for a second, and then it got bad. <laughs> yeah. And when looking at the mother-offspring traits, 87.1 were consistent with this model. Wow. Yeah. And so then they started looking through the genome regions with the mutations that were highly correlated in the samples from the tuskless females. And when looking at the overlap of these correlations, they were able to narrow in on a potential candidate, the X-linked isoform of amylogenin, also known as the MLX gene. And this gene creates a protein responsible for the biomineralization of enamel and regulates other aspects of tooth formation. Hmm. And there are several mutations on this locus that are associated with hypomineralization and tooth brittleness. Uh, what's hypo? Is that just brittleness? Low mineralization. Okay. Hypo means low, hyper means high. So okay. not enough mineralization of the teeth. Should also be noted that in humans, when there is a lesion in this region that includes this gene, it results in an X-linked dominant male lethal trait as well. And in infected women, it resulted in reduction or complete absence of maxillary lateral incisors, hmm. which are essentially the human equivalent of elephant tusks. What? Which ones are our elephant tusks? Which one is the maxillary incisor? Oh, it's, the little pointy no. ones? Our mm -hmm. little canine-y type yeah. guys? That's my tusk. <sighs> <laughs> yes. It's fun. They also looked for a possible... Uh, the possibility of a regulatory gene mutation and found overlap on a gene on chromosome number one called MEP1-alpha, which make a protein for mineralization of dentin, and mutations of this protein are associated with teeth disorders as well. Great. Mm -hmm. And after all the research in these two genes, they couldn't find an obvious casual genetic variant for either reason, so the exact mechanism for the tusklessness is still unknown. Hmm. Now keep in mind this was done in just one part and it is possible there may be other genetic mechanisms involved, especially when you consider the frequency of tusklessness across the whole continent. But in any case, the evolution in elephants can have this evolution in elephants can have a drastic effect on how they behave with the environment. And this may have downstream effects that impact the entire ecosystem. What do they usually use their tusks for? So, males will use it for sparring. Right. They will also use them to fell trees. They use oh, it to dig kinda, up trenches. Yeah, that I remember them kind of like yeah. digging some stuff up, but yeah. I mean, theoretically, they could. So, one possibility feet. is there's going to be a decrease in the amount of grassland habitat and be replaced with forest cover. Because they're not taking trees down? Yeah. Mm, okay. Mm -hmm. The trees will be happy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it will. Because they are classified as ecosystem engineers, so it can have a downstream effect. That so why do they usually species. take the tree down so they can get to leaves and stuff easier? Yep. Okay. Like, I'm not reaching for that. Mm -hmm. You're coming down. That's yeah. pretty destructive, elephants. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, well, sort of cool, kind of scary. Mm -hmm. 
Um, <laughs> don't kill elephants to a point where shit's happening like this and, uh, you know, going to have problems with them being able to reproduce in the future and totally changing the way the environment will be if they can't. Don't take down trees, elephants. That's rude. <laughs> you need a little elephant step You need a little elephant step stool <laughs> that can hold an elephant to get up there and reach that. Be like a giraffe. Anyway. Um, oh, giraffes also have a weird evolution. Because for the longest time, it was thought the long necks were for reaching up in the trees. Yeah. But it seemed more likely that it was actually sexual selection that selected for long necks. That's weird. For sparring. Because when you, they do there. <laughs> yeah. Because when you observe them in the wild, yeah. a lot of times they aren't reaching upwards. Most of the time, they are very much horizontal when they're mm -hmm. feeding. And there's times of years where there's basically no tree cover at all. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So we'll have a long neck so you can really swing it to hit the other one. Yeah. Um, okay, well, that's uh, cool, I guess. <laughs> Going back to a story we talked about before, there's a not escalation word I'm missing. I don't know. <laughs> Why can't I think of this word? Oh, I don't. I don't do well when my brain's not functioning normally. A development. We'll go with that. Okay, <laughs> development in a story we've talked about before. Here we go. That's right. That mouse is not connected to this computer. I keep forgetting that. All right. So, remember our cocaine hippos? They're going on birth control. <laughs> so Columbia's putting its cocaine hippos on birth control. This is a CNN article that I will share, obviously, in the social medias. In the social medias? You know, whatever. On social media and then also another place that we'll talk about next time. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so essentially I'm not really going to go too much into this article. You already know the story of the cocaine hippos. Basically, the whole point of this is they're just going to dart them with birth control. They're going to shoot darts filled with birth control at these hippos, and that's how they're trying to get them to not reproduce and continue wreaking havoc down in South America, obviously. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's other <laughs> stuff in this article, but, like, you know, I know the basic story of it, and they're just, you know, hoping that the, you know, they'll kind of see how effective it is. Yeah. You're not really going to know until you start trying it and see how it goes. But, um, yeah, those hippos are going to be on birth control. I wonder if they're Just a preliminary opinion. I am pessimistic. That it will work. They use this kind of method with bison on Catalina. <laughs> and it did not work out well? Well, the problem is, it technically does. It's just the locals don't like it. Because <laughs> the with Catalina, everything's bison. Like, they have this I bison burger. I did not burger. remember that when I went there. Well, at least this was how it was in, like, Pearl... Uh, not Pearl, Pearl Harbor. Harbor? Wow. <laughs> I've never been to Pearl Harbor. That was uh, a while. Two Harbors is where I was at mm -hmm. um, on Catalina. There's like this restaurant they had like bison jerky, bison burgers, other stuff like that. And like if you go to their store with any of like their clothing and stuff, it's like Catalina Republic and it's all bison imagery. So have a pasture with some bison. This is not that challenging. <laughs> Try containing bison. <laughs> There's fences all over. They don't work. <laughs> You don't need bison on Catalina. It's not that big yeah. an island. One of my friends was actually there on a field trip, and like she got yelled at by our professor because she decided to sneak up to one and take a picture of it while I was sleeping. Oh, no. How <laughs> close did she get? I don't know. I, this was not when I was on the island. Oh, okay. But I think one time I went out at night with some of my um, other students, and we're pretty sure there was a bison off a little few yards off of the trail where we were at. No, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. Do not want to do it. Serpentine, serpentine. Do you mean moving a serpentine yes, motion? Yes, when they come after you. Oh, 
they're not good at, at adjusting. Well, it's just like whenever you're being run by something, you're supposed to do that because I'm assuming something that big does not have great agility. It would make sense that they don't. <laughs> and it reminds me of like all these videos I see of people like in Yellowstone, I think it's Yellowstone, and they're like in their cars and getting out, looking at pictures of bisons like, get in your car and go away. I know. I and don't... then the surprise, it charges. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> like, why are you getting close to it, man? Don't be dumb. Anyway, people are dumb. Yep. But... Hopefully these cocaine hippos will be reined in mm -hmm. by the darts of birth control. I'm just going to connect it for you to read. Um, if you aren't aware of the situation, I guess if you're listening to this for the first time. Basically, the uh, cocaine hippos, um, Pablo Escobar, the, uh, you know, cocaine drug dealer dude mm -hmm. um, from Colombia, had a bunch of, I think he had a bunch of wild animals, didn't he? But anyway, Yes, he had his own private zoo. Yeah, so he had these hippos, but now they've kind of, there's obviously no natural predator for a hippo down there, so um, they just kind of spread and go out of control. They fuck up the water quality. They just, they're a disaster. So anyway, um, this is why you're not supposed to have pets that you're not supposed to have. Obviously, someone like him not really, doesn't really care about any kind of laws or rules, but you know. Um, but this is why, because it fucks up the whole ecosystem and it's a disaster, so... Um, yeah, so anyway, so these hippos have been causing problems for forever, but then some of the locals don't want to get rid of them because it's, like, part of the tourism. So it's a whole mess. So anyway, they need to be controlled so that they stop ruining everything down there. Um, so hopefully the birth control will help take care of that. We'll see. Who knows? <laughs> but anywho, let's move on into our favorites, our picks this week. Yes. And he chose a category that's impossible again. It's so anyway, not impossible. You, you're so broad, and I have trouble. I just have commitment issues, obviously. <laughs> I really have trouble committing to somebody. Anyway, continue. Some, that's not a bad. I committing to somebody like an animal. <laughs> Too good. Oh, dear. But it's uh, so difficult. It's like, I'm like, oh, I like you too, and oh, and I like you too, and how do I decide that you're what I'm going with? Anyway. Tell us about yours. Yes, so I went with the Black Mamba. Yes. yes. The, uh, the namesake of Kobe Bryant. Oh. Wow. <laughs> anyway, to bring it down. Um, I did not know that. You didn't know that? Never heard of it. Serious? You never heard of him or you never heard of it? Him being, wait. You never heard of him being referred to as the Black Mamba? Yeah. I've never heard that. I don't watch basketball. Basketball is better. Anyway, no, okay, it's continue. not. Soccer is better. Yeah, so anyway, its scientific name is Dendroaspis polyapsis. Aspis? Dendroaspis. That's fun. Okay. It's Dendroaspis polyapsis. Makes me think of an asp. What anyway. is an asp? I feel like it would be a snake. <laughs> okay. Anyway, continue on. So they live Which in... it is. <laughs> yeah. So they live in sub-Saharan regions of South and Eastern Africa. Okay. They are primarily terrestrial species that prefers wooded savanna, but it is also known to climb trees when necessary. Mm -hmm. That's terrifying. I don't like snakes and trees. <laughs> snakes are supposed to be in the ground. They're not supposed to be in trees There's or water. There's tons of arboreal snake species. I know, but that freaks me out because then they're above you, and I don't want them to be above me. I do. <laughs> they are not truly black, but are more of an olive or brownish gray color. They get the name Black Mamba from the jet black color of their mouth. And they will open their mouth as a display to warn off predators when they feel threatened. Do you mean the jet black color of the outside of their mouth or the inside of their mouth? Inside. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They are the longest venomous snake in Africa and second longest in the world. Don't like it. <laughs> How they, long are they? About 2.4 meters in length That's is not the average. That's not going to help me. My... 
<laughs> I've had a ruler this time to compare, but that's not going to help me. Yeah. Wait, how many meters? 2.4 meters. Oh my God, that's really big. That's the average. The largest individuals have been recorded reaching lengths of 4.2 meters. Uh, no. <laughs> and that's insane. No. <laughs> not acceptable. Yeah. And they are known to live up to 11 years old, but may have even longer lifespans. Even there's not a whole lot of good data. And like most other venomous snakes, they specialize in hunting small mammals like rodents. They have been known to go after birds and other reptiles too. And there have even been reports of mambas found with parrots or cobras in their stomach. Oh. Mm -hmm. They tend to be very reclusive and shy and will spend much of their time hiding in hollow trees and in the crevices of rocks. However, when they are threatened, they are known to pay very aggressively to defend against potential predators. And they are in the family Alapidae, which also includes cobras. Mm, great. <laughs> and like their cobra relatives, they will rear up the front third of their body and expose their little neck flaps and open their mouth in order to try to scare away their threat. And if this doesn't work, then they will resort to striking at the threat and may even deliver some of their venom and then attempt to slither away. Because <laughs> that's all they want to do. I just want to leave. Yep. They are probably most infamous for their reputation as a fast-moving snake. Then the black mama is the fastest terrestrial snake species and can even outpace most humans. They can reach a top speed of 19 kilometers per hour, but over long distances move at a more moderate speed of 11 kilometers per hour. I don't like it. <laughs> and unlike what many may think, they do not use this high burst of speed for hunting, but rather to escape from potential predators. That makes sense. And they are currently listed as least concerned by the IUCN Red List, and their population is currently stable. The most serious threat they face right now is loss of habitat due to human expansion. Who is preying on them? We don't know. What do you mean we don't know? They don't really have a known natural predator. What the heck? <laughs> Probably other snakes. Other mambas, I guess. Um, okay. Mongoose? I don't know if they're in the same region. That not that... Italy? What? No, other I one. India and like Asia, isn't it? Mongo oh, there are mongoose in There are in Africa. That's right. There are mongoose in Africa too. Uh, I remember watching some VHS when I was a little kid. It was definitely set in India and it was like, it was about the mongoose and like the mongoose protected the family from a cobra mm -hmm. and it was anyway. Yeah. Anywho, they're, they're, they got latitudes too. Yeah. Mongoose. All right. Anyway, so my choice, again, I struggled. So here's, here's my journey, folks. Oh my God. I, um, I kind of wanted to do a snake, but then he did a mamba, so I was like, well, I can't do a green mamba if he did a black mamba. That's weird. And I kind of wanted to do cobra, but the cooler ones are in Asia. So. See, that was, I was thinking about one, but it's like, I want, I remember when I was a kid, there was a documentary about um, um, Pharaoh Egyptian. There are Egyptian. Of ones. the Pharaoh Cleopatra. Yeah. She had a pet cobra, and it's suspected that she died because of it. I could not find the source material for it. It's not supposed to be that. It's the one she stuck her hand in the box with the, um... I think those are asps. <laughs> I think that's where I got that word from. I don't know. I saw it when I was a kid, so I don't remember. No, the whole thing, that's the, how they suspected that she died, that she stuck her hand in a box with snakes mm -hmm. in it and died that way. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're going to look up Cleopatra's. We're going to figure that out, because mm -hmm. that's halfway, right? <laughs> anyway, also I'm sure it's speculation. They don't 100% know that she died that way. But anyway, mm -hmm. that's, that's, the, that's the legend. Anywho, mm -hmm. so, um, but yeah, so I didn't do a snake because the cooler ones are in India. And then, um, cool ones in there are, but the cooler cobras are in India. 
There's other cool snakes. And then there was the one that I almost chose, the Kaboom Viper. But it's it is cool. It has cool things, but honestly, the pictures just freaked me out. So I was like, I can't anymore. It is cool. Well, you can talk about a Gaboon Viper sometime then. Okay, Gaboon Vipers are cool, guys. Mm-hmm. It's just like the pictures I'm striking. I was like, I just, mm, your, your mouth freaks me out. So, and then I kind of wanted to do tortoises, but I couldn't commit. So I was like, this is a gorgeous lizard. So here we go. Long story short, I chose the red-headed rock agama, which there also, I think, was a blue-headed one, but I couldn't find any info on it. So <laughs> blue is obviously a better color. But anyway, the red-headed rock agama. Here we go. Other common names for the species are the common agama or the rainbow agama. Their name is Agama Agama. I love it. I keep picking ones that have the same name. Yeah. What was my other? It was some sort of like mustelid or something that was like a Mercy's Mercy's or whatever. Anyway. Um, it was Martis Martis. Yeah, that's it. This is it. Stoat, I believe. Yeah. Anyway, so their scientific name is Agama Agama. This species is found in eastern Africa, ranging from Sengal down to south down south, excuse me, I can't read, to parts of Luanda and as far east as Uganda. The species is highly adaptable and can survive in multiple kinds of habitats, including grasslands, shrublands, savanna, deserts, and tropical dry forests. Tropical dry forests? What is that? That just sounds crazy. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they are 13 to 30 centimeters in length. (laughs) Jesus. I'm going to translate that for you right now. Oh, it's about a foot, guys. Well, the 30 is about a foot. So, you know, there you go. It's about well, half a foot to a foot. That's a pretty good size. I have a ruler today. We're going to use it. Anyway, they are omnivorous, and but the bulk of their diet consists of insects. Makes sense. They'll feed on things like grasshoppers, ants, beetles, termites, as well as vegetation like berries, flowers, and seeds. They are fairly social, especially for a species of lizard. They live in groups that consist of a dominant male, sometimes referred to as the cock, um, some females, and a few subordinate males. Uh, This species displays some dimorphism based on sex and social status. Subordinate males, females, and juveniles look like a standard lizard with a light-colored stomach, brown back, and appendages um, with an olive green head. And dominant males, on the other hand, these are the pretty ones, um... They have blue-colored body, yellow tail, and a red head. They're so pretty. Oh, my gosh. They're so handsome. Uh, Subordinate males can become the dominant male by either getting rid of, oh, snap, the current, oh, gosh, that moves so much, the current dominant male or leave the group and establish their own colony. So crazy to me that your colors change based on your social status. I think that's awesome, dude. Anyway, this species of agama is polygynous, I don't know why that looked weird to me, but it did, um, is a polygynous species in which only the dominant male is allowed to mate with the females in the colony. The sex of the offspring is determined by the temperature of the embryos, with males resulting from higher temperatures around 29 degrees Celsius and females result from lower temperature around 26 to 27 degrees Celsius. Females reach sexual maturity, maturity excuse me, earlier at a little over a year old while males take about two years to reach sexual maturity that's kind of like people males don't develop as fast (laughs) at least not maturity wise the red-headed rock agama is currently listed as least concerned by the iucn red list the population is currently stable and there are currently no known major threats to this species obviously i'll be posting a picture they're beautiful you're welcome but i'm so excited for this Yes, you are. And it brings us to our Animal of the Week. And our Animal of the Week this week is... The Pygmy Hippo. The Pygmy Hippo! Dude, 
I don't know how I didn't know the zoo had these. And then one day I went and I saw them and I was like, I am in love. And now I need a pygmy hippo. I will be like Pablo Escobar. And I want to have, I want a pygmy hippo. And they're the cutest. Good Lord. I forget the baby that they had. Well, now it's been like a year. But like, oh my gosh, that little baby pygmy hippo. You guys come to the San Diego Zoo. See the pygmy hippo. They're so cute. Anyway, tell us about them, Casey. Yes. So these guys come from the order Artiodactyla. And they come from the family Hippopotamidae. <laughs> and their scientific name is Coropsis liberiensis. That sounds like a corrupted Liberace. <laughs> Coroptis liberiensis? Coropsis liberiensis. Liberiensis. Yes, you'll figure out why it's named that in a bit. Mm-hmm. At least the species epithet. Um, they have a very small native range, and they're being that they are restricted to mainly Liberia. Hence, Liberiensis. Mm, okay. With smaller population populations in parts of Guinea, Sierra Leone, and Ivory Coast. And as opposed to a much larger cousin, the river hippo, this species lives in forest habitat. So cute. So, the median lifespan for this species is about 27 years, with the oldest individuals in captivity living into their 40s. Nice. They're not likely to live this long in the wild, and data in the wild is not good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As the name suggests, they are smaller than their river hippo cousins, which can be ten times heavier than they are. Mm-hmm. But they are still not necessarily small, as they are about 1.5 to 1.75 meters long, 75 to 100 centimeters tall, and they weigh 160 to 170 kilograms. About a quarter ton. <laughs> They're still adorable, but yeah. yes, that would be uncomfortable if they sat sat on you. <laughs> they are an herbivorous species that eats a large variety of vegetation, including leaves, grasses, roots, aquatic plants, ferns, and fallen fruit. And amongst the artiodactyls, they are considered pseudo-ruminants. And this is because even though they have a four-chambered stomach, they do not ferment their food or use microorganisms the same way, and they do not chew the cud. Hmm, okay. And not only is the pygmy hippo much smaller than its river hippo cousin, but is much different in its natural history. For example, the pygmy hippo is predominantly solitary and at and at most forms small family groups. They are less territorial. Males have territories that overlap with those of other males. And pygmy hippos avoid each other by using fecal markings, using their tail to fling dung around as they mark their territory. Yep. Yeah. Well, normal, the normal. The river hippos do that too, though. Yes, they do. But the, they're confrontational. That's true. Whereas this species, another way they differ is that they have only one pair of enlarged canines. Whereas uh, river hippos, yeah. it's both. Mm-hmm. And it's on the lower jaw, while, it, again, it's both sets in the larger, their larger cousins. And is far more terrestrial in the river hippo as well. For example, its eyes are located more on the sides of its head rather than on top, mm-hmm. and it has less webbing on its feet. Oh. Mm-hmm. Also, the pygmy hippo gives birth to its calf on land rather than in water, and the calves are much less independent as the mother will have to hide her calf in some brushes while she goes out foraging. They basically tuck them? Yeah. Like antelope? Tucking a pygmy hippo baby? I mean, it's little, but it's still the size of, like, a small dog. (laughs) Oh, my God. So cute. Okay. But it is still similar to its larger relative in some ways, as it does does close its nostril while it is submerged underwater. 
They also secrete a fluid called blood sweat, which is not actually blood, and it gets this name because it is pinkish in color. Mm. This fluid actually acts as a form of sunscreen because they have thin skin to help them stay cool in their very humid forest habitat. And this species is nocturnal as well and will spend the day in shallow bodies of water to avoid the heat from the sun and to conserve energy and it will come out at night to feed. And due to their large size, they have very few predators and their only natural threat (laughs) capable of taking them down is leopards. Dang. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yep. They're also among the most evolutionary distinct animals. Edge has this species ranked as 33 amongst the mammals it has assessed. And this species represents about 32.89 million years of unique evolutionary history. Go pygmy hippos. Mm-hmm. You're unique and adorable. The pygmy hippo is currently listed as endangered by the IUCN Red List. And the population is currently in decline with an estimated population of between 2,000 and 2,500 mature individuals left. That's not that much. The biggest threat facing this species is deforestation of their native habitat to make plantations for rubber, coffee, and palm oil. Mm, They are listed on Epidemics 2 of CITES. There have been some programs to help them out. Um, there's been a pygmy hippo monitoring system in Sapo National Park in Liberia that was active from 2005 and 2012. And basically what they were doing was using camera traps to monitor hippos in the area. And they collected data on population size as well as the distribution in the park to assist those that were in charge of managing the f- park. And there was another program in Sierra Leone from 2007 to 2012 that was also using surveys to determine the population distribution as well as the threats in the air, and they worked with local communities to establish conservation initiatives to benefit the hippos and locals. They also established a website and database for sharing knowledge on the species in the area, and they even got one village to declare no hunting of this this species by any villager. Oh, that's good. Yep. Yay. Yes. Is it the pygmy hippo? Yep. That's the pygmy hippo. They're so cute. I love them so much. Come to the San Diego Zoo so you can see them. I'm sure other zoos have them, but... Yeah. They're real cute. Hopefully they'll have another baby at some point because, oh my god, that was like the cutest thing. I have video of it, but it's terrible. <laughs> anyway, but... uh, Like it was baby baby or now size baby? No, and it was... Well, it wasn't like brand brand new, but okay. it was like this big. Yeah, I, I did go see him when it was little tiny. It was pretty... Yeah, it was only like maybe a month old. It was mm-hmm. it was still pretty new. It was so freaking... And I, I think I was there for 20 minutes. So I was like, <laughs> I'll have to go through my video and see if there's any decent one. I'll share it. But, um... Mm-hmm. But it, also, there's a lot of talking, so everyone's like, oh, because people see the pygmy hippo and think that's a baby. Oh, yeah. Or a river hippo. <laughs> and then there's this little baby, and that's so cute. Anyway. Um, but Casey. Yes, Allie. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. I, I have to scroll. I forgot. Okay. Um, what did the DM say when the hippopotamus rolled a nat 20? I don't know. That hippocrit. That was a D&D pun for everyone out oh there. Oh, my gosh. I just have to explain it to you because you don't know what any of that means. Nope. A DM is the dungeon master, otherwise known as a game master, the person who, like, tells the story and moves everything around. Mm-hmm. And if you roll a nat 20, it's a natural 20 on your 20-sided dice. That's called a critical success. Same if you roll a, a 1, as a critical failure. So that hippo crit when it rolled a nat 20. All right. <laughs> Oh, it's great. We have to explain it. Anyway, it made me happy because I'm like, D&D. Here mm-hmm. we go. But that brings us, Casey, 
to the challenge. Mm-hmm. And this is my revenge day. We'll okay. see. We'll see if I'm surprised. If you're better at this than I think you will be. All right. I'm going to be honest. I, um, Based on my knowledge, I will be surprised. Not, not surprised. I will be impressed if you get, like, 10. <laughs> out um, of? Well, I, let me tell you. <laughs> How many countries do you think are in Africa? How many countries? Yeah. I'll say 25. 54. Your job is to label this blank map of Africa with as many countries as you can get. I'm going to give you some time, and at some point, I'm going to give you some hints, just basically giving you country names and see if you can find them. Going to be straight with you. I could probably only, like, solidly 100% like feel good about getting, like, six or seven of them. So... To be fair, a lot of them are very small, and you never hear anything about them. So I was like, oh, this is a country I've never heard of, probably except for watching the Olympics, maybe, because sometimes that happens. But, um, yeah, okay, I'm going to tell you when you can start. Um, I'm going to give you... I'll give you five minutes before I start giving you some hints. All right, go. Right. So anyway, folks, fun facts while he's doing that. So there are... 54 countries. <laughs> I don't have to get my papers, I'm sorry. In Africa, that was more than I expected. Obviously, the easiest continent, Australia. One country. <laughs> and then, who's the second easiest? Where we're from in North America. We have three countries. Now, this one is not technically a continent. In fact, actually, I guess technically we go with North America. So, I guess we add these together. So, there are, are, are 10 altogether in Central America and North America. And there are 12 countries in South America. So, a continent with 54 is far more of a challenge when you can add together all of South, Central, and North America, and it is less than 54, obviously. But then, of course, who do you think has more? Europe or Asia? Let's tell you now, it's Asia. Asia has 48 countries. And Europe has 44. So, I would not do well doing this challenge. Like I said, probably have six or seven I feel super confident on. Then I'd kind of be guessing and putting things. Know a lot of the names, but putting them in the right place would be challenging. So, we're going to see how Casey does. And this is revenge for his not very good high school level um, biology test. So, there you go. I feel like we looked at this a lot more in middle school. But I don't think I've ever looked at it since then. <laughs> so you might do better because, you know, looking at the animals, you might see the shape of the country that they're usually in. I mean, you're already doing better than I thought. So. <laughs> we'll see if it's accurate. Mm. You know the little ones? I'm shocked. Those are tough, man. I know several countries, I just don't know if the location's accurate. Mm-hmm. You have a minute and a half before I mm. give you some hints. <laughs> and I'll only give you like two minutes after that. <laughs> oh my god. Again. I can make a list of a lot of these country names, but putting them in the right place would be a challenge. Still, probably, like, maybe not even half of them would I really get the country name right. I'd probably get something close to it, but it wouldn't be exactly right. 
I probably spelled it wrong. I'll accept spelling mistakes. Unless it's one of the really easy ones. All right, hint time. <laughs> Nigeria and Niger are near each other. Oh, boy. Trying to also see what you have to see what's <laughs> helpful. I'm like, I hope you know like a bunch of these. Just gonna list a couple countries for you. Hopefully, you know where they are. Ethiopia. Oh my gosh, why didn't I put that one yet? <laughs> Chad. How did I freaking forget Chad on the professor's was working there? Burundi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Togo is a country. Yes, my professor's wife's from there. This is not fair that you know where all these places are because people have gone there. Well, time is almost up. <laughs> all right, that is it. All right. How did we do? Let's see. <laughs> Probably not well. Uh, honestly, it's going better than I thought so far. <laughs> I need the pencil. Okay, well, you have countries, but they're not all in the right place. I was going to be pissed if you didn't get that one right. I'm like, you have to get that. You have to get this. For a second, I thought you hadn't labeled this one. But I was like, are you kidding me? That's what you, and this one, too. I was like, you have to have those, yeah. too. I am angry at you for having these wrong. These are two of the ones I knew. These are the first two I knew where they were, and it's like my favorite, and you don't have it right. You got these countries all moved around. <laughs> so, were you expecting me to get like locations wrong, or just not know names? No locations wrong. Okay. Like I feel like there's a lot of names I'd be like, that is a country in Africa, but I don't know where it is. To be fair, probably only have max half, probably not even half of them, or I'd get like part of a name, which you did, because you're missing some, but like you have half the name. Um, nope. Is it Guinea? That's not there. Yes, but it's actually Guinea-Bissau. Yeah. Um, and there are other ones with Guinea in it, too. Oh, you, yeah, you put that one in the Guinea. wrong place, but you got the name right. <laughs> yeah, I, I suspected. I knew that only because I had to do a report on it. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, I think... Um, I don't know if that one's a country or if that one's just a, um, a, a city. But anyway, or a, an area. And your final score is... Nine. So almost impressive. <laughs> also very disappointed that you put Kenya in totally a rando spot. I always know Kenya and Tanzania go next to each other. And now I know your Ethiopian wolf is right above Kenya. So there we go. I learned things too. Happy to see that you got Egypt and South Africa and Madagascar because I really would have judged you on those if you did not have those. Um, some impressive ones you got in there. Okay, good job. Happy you got the whole How name. I Somalia? Of Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, because I would have just said Congo. Yeah, no, because I remember there's another Congo. There's another Congo right next to it. But now you've put it too far where I can't reach it. That would say what the name is. It's Republic of Congo. Reco that's right, Republic of Congo, which I think is what I would think more than the others. <laughs> but anyway, so um, basically what we've learned is Americans are not great at um, mm. labeling maps from other countries mm. so not countries but well the countries of other continents but to be fair i mean our our continent's very easy it has three 
main ones, and then Central yeah. America. So, like, it's not really the same. Yeah. But <laughs> there you go. If you did our states, it would be close. Yeah, if they did states, they'd probably struggle. I wonder how bad we'd be at doing our states. I'd be awful. I'd screw up a couple. Past the east, the mid... <laughs> The Midwest section forget is just kind of like, just forget I don't it. know. It's what not if, important. I love watching the things that I think it was like a German filled them out. It was like, one of these is Ohio or something. Mm-hmm. They're like, Texas? Also Texas? Oh, yeah. Have <laughs> you seen like the videos of the Europeans like making fun of Americans can't do the state maps? Or or they were saying that something about can't do Europe countries. Oh, oh no, no. That'd be terrible. I'd be awful yeah. at that. I'd get like the ones on the edge mm-hmm. and then it would be a hot mess. I'd probably screw up like Norway and Sweden. Like they'd probably be switched. Yeah. It'd be a mess. And then especially when you get to more like... Some are so tiny, like Latvia. Yeah, some of them are real Lithuania. small. Lithuania. See, we don't do things small in, in, in the Americas. And they have city-states, almost which is at, annoying. Which is, that's very confusing. But like, also, we go big out here. Like, almost all the countries are, are decent-sized. Yeah. No, I'm not like saying decent, like you're not decent because you're small. I'm just saying like, they're pretty large yeah. comparatively. Anyway, we should do a state map just for funsies and see how bad we do. I think I'd do better than you. Probably. But the Midwest would be a problem. Anyway, mm. someone would be messed up over there. But yeah. At least we know that Hawaii and Alaska are not are physically not close to each, to each other. other. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to name all the islands of Hawaii. Uh, let's see. Like Hawaii, Oahu, Maui. Hawaii is somewhere, but I don't know which ones. Anyway. Which one? To be fair, I feel like you actually have to have resist study maps to get a lot of them because they just don't come up in your everyday life. Oh my gosh, how did I forget? But which you island should my at least on. know which countries neighbor you. Yeah. So there's that. Anywho, yeah, mm-hmm. that brings us to the end of the Animal Addicts podcast. As always, we're your hosts, Allie and Casey, and we will catch you on the next episode of the Animal Addicts podcast.